You're listening to Welcome to the Juggle with Liz Heron, episode 65. This is Welcome to the Juggle, the podcast for women who have a lot of balls in the air. I'm your host, Liz Heron, and I created this podcast to provide you with real-world tangible tips and inspiration so you can juggle it all with ease and less effort while having more fun and making sure you don't drop the most important ball, yourself. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now let's jump in. Hi, friend. How are you doing today? I am pumped and ready to take on some massive goals. That's because I spoke to Robin Leggett today, and this interview is incredible, if I do say so myself. So Robin is an athletic aging coach who specializes in helping women over 40 explore their athletic potential so they can gain confidence, overcome life's obstacles, and look and feel and live ageless. Robin herself is a leader in life athlete, and she spent 11 years as a roller derby skater before becoming an obstacle racer in her 40s. And in the last five years, Robin has completed over 60 Spartan races and has stood on multiple age group podiums. She hosts the Season Athlete Podcast, where she shares stories, advice, inspiration, and motivation from athletes over 40 to help people pursue bold athletic fitness goals at any age. And what I loved about talking with Robin is I really did walk away from that conversation feeling like I could do anything. And it really had me thinking about what I want my fitness goals to be in the new year, especially because, listen, this pandemic isn't going anywhere, right? And we have to kind of adjust. And Robin has this great masterclass that's happening on December 15th, and it is called, it's called Get Motivated and Stay Motivated, How to Get Out of the Quarantine Slump and Back to Achieving Bold Fitness Goals. And the masterclass is tomorrow. So if you're listening to this, please sign up, please head on over to robinleggett.com. So that's R-O-B-I-N-L-E-G-A-T.com. And, um, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I hope you leave it feeling motivated and ready to just crush your athletic goals for the year. Enjoy. Robin, thank you so much for being on the show and welcome to Welcome to the Juggle. Oh, I live in the juggle, right? (laughs) I'm born in the juggle. Exactly. (laughs) You're in the juggle, baby. I had to do it. I had to do it. It's true. No, we're always juggling everything. I mean, that's kind of where the name came from for me. Um, right? It's like we're always this is the juggle. Welcome yep. to it. Yep. Here we go. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. Guns and Roses fan. I as a as a Guns N' Roses fan, I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to have you on the show because I for me, one of the balls that I'm trying to keep in the air at all times is, you know, health and fitness. And it has been, I think, an understatement to say it's been a challenge the last nine months that we've been in um, in the pandemic. And especially with, you know, differing stay-at-home orders, it's been a challenge mm-hmm. to kind of prioritize fitness. And so I really wanted to talk to you because, um, and we can totally get into all your background, but like, you're you're an athlete, but you're kind of like a late bloomer athlete. Yes. Yeah. I call myself a later. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about like your background and, and you know, what a later in life athlete is. And then I want to kind of dive into like, how do you, you know, stay motivated or get, you know, get and stay motivated during this time. And, um, and you know, kind of what my listeners can do. Yeah, absolutely. So, so tell us a little bit about like how you got into this. Okay. So it's a kind of a long convoluted story because I'm 46 years old and there's some years involved, but, um, I, those are my favorite kinds of stories. Yeah. Right. I'm like, okay, settle in folks, get it, get a drink. We're, we're gonna do this. So, um, I, as a kid was not athletic. Like I was, I was active, I guess, but like when it came time to pick teams on schoolyards, I was always the kid who was picked last. And I never played organized sports. And just like, that was not me. And even as I as I grew up, as I got older, I wasn't into fitness, because it bored me. Like, I, it wasn't interesting to me. And I would try and go to the gym, but I do the same thing that a lot of people do when they go to the gym. It's like, I guess I get on the treadmill. And then I guess I, I don't know, do some curls. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you feel weird because you don't know what you're doing. And then you stop doing it. So yes. that was my story for a long, long time. And then um, 
I, I fell into an athletic lifestyle. I moved to Los Angeles in 2003. I had been living in Central California up until that point. I wanted to get out of where I was living and move to a new place. And I had a friend from college uh, send an email blast because she was looking for a roommate in Los Angeles. And I was like, oh, well, here we go. I'll move in with her. I'll move to L.A. I'll change my life. It'll be amazing. And so I moved to Los <laughs> Angeles. And the thing about L.A., for anyone who is new to L.A. and and doesn't know anyone, it is a hard place to meet people. It's a big spread out city. People yeah. are kind of standoffish. Like L.A. has a reputation. It's not completely wrong. And and so I spent six months in the city. I still live in L.A. I spent six months here just miserable because I, I didn't have a social circle. I didn't have friends. I didn't know anybody. And so I remember I went on Craigslist, which is kind of ludicrous thinking about it now, but I went on Craigslist <laughs> to meet friends. <laughs> and now it's like the last place you'd want to go to meet someone in person. It's like, I reluctantly have to meet you to maybe sell you a thing, but you know, you don't go there to make, make friends, but you know, social media didn't exist back then. Yeah. So that's where I had to go. And it's a good thing because I found an ad for a new roller derby league that had just formed in Los Angeles called the LA Derby Dolls. And I was really intrigued by that. And you know, a little background. I, you know, I wasn't an athlete, but I am a child of the eighties and I always loved roller skating and I always had roller skates and I yes. just, you know, roller skate in my neighborhood and stuff and recreationally. And the idea of roller derby sounded really cool, but it didn't exist for a long time. Like it was a big sport in the, you know, sixties, seventies and eighties. It became kind of a pro wrestling thing, like really over the top, campy, fake, all of that. And then it went away for a long time. And a group of women in Austin, Texas, revived it in 2001 as a sort of edgy punk rock mentality type of thing. But the sport was legit. And it slowly, like, people caught wind of it. And leagues started popping up in cities around the country. And I think L.A. was, like, the fourth to pop up. And I found them two months after they had formed. And I gathered up my courage because it was scary <laughs> to, like, go to a roller derby practice, being me. But I was like, I have to check this out. And also, I don't know anybody, so what do I have to lose? And I went to practice and was hooked immediately. I was like, this is the coolest thing. I could just skate fast and maybe hit people. This is really cool. <laughs> and so I went all in on roller derby. I got totally, totally into it and ended up playing roller derby for 11 years. Oh, wow. So um, suffice to say, that was a big, big change in my life. And what I discovered in my years of playing roller derby is that, first of all, I found a workout I enjoyed. And the reason I enjoyed it, it was because it was mentally and physically challenging at the same time. And that was really key for me. Like mindless workouts don't yeah. capture my interest long enough. But if I'm learning a new skill that's hard and I'm challenged every time I practice it and then I have to cross train to get better at it. So I'm motivated to do that. That lit me up. And so I showed up to practice all the time. I started working out. I noticed changes in my body. I remember not long after I started roller derby, a group of friends and I went to a bar and because I also made friends, which was the goal and <laughs> the initial goal. And we all sat at a table with a beer and started talking about how we're athletes now. Like somebody's like, you know what? We're athletes now. And we're like, whoa, yeah, we're athletes now. <laughs> we, we were so excited to call ourselves athletes because we'd realized that's like, yeah, look at us. We're, we're doing these athletic things and we're athletes. And I remember precisely, like, I can envision that moment I had that realization. And that's a really powerful thing. It is. And I think so many women don't claim that. They don't claim right? that. Like, even if they, even if they run half marathons, say, like, I have a friend of mine who, you know, does a ton of half marathons and, she, I think she had challenged herself to do one a month and then she had another challenge that was like one in every 50 state kind of thing. Um, and, and she didn't call herself an athlete. And that it, sounds pretty yeah. Athletic. It took, she said after she did like about seven, I guess she was like seven months into the 12 month thing. And, you know, somebody said to her about like, oh, you know, as an athlete, blah, blah, blah. And she, she said her first, you know, reaction was I'm not an athlete. And it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you yeah, run isn't a half funny, marathon though? every month. <laughs> Like, isn't that funny? And it, and I feel like this happens more with women because we're we're conditioned to think of ourselves in a certain way or to value a, a, a certain kind of fitness. Yeah. And 
And that like, unless you're professional, unless you're being paid for it, like I'm not an athlete, like I don't get to claim that, but yeah, you do. You do get to claim that. I used to work in um, video games and part of my job was to, I was doing uh, consumer research with video games and we would do these surveys with women who, you know, play games on their phone. And we would ask them like, do you self-identify as a gamer? No, 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 absolutely not. I'm not a gamer. And you know, then you'd ask like a man, oh, are you a gamer? Yeah, I'm a gamer. And then you'd compare mm-hmm. the amount of time they spent playing video games. So like a guy would play, you know, Call of Duty with some friends on the weekend, you know, maybe like every Saturday and for a couple of hours. And he's like, I'm a gamer. And then you've got a woman who plays a match three game on her phone every day for an hour after the kids go to bed, right? So she's playing seven hours a week compared to his two. And you'd ask her to, you know, are you a gamer? No, I'm not a gamer. (laughs) And it was like, (laughs) it was so interesting. That is so fascinating. And yeah, and I believe it. For some reason, women are reluctant to claim a title that will make them feel empowered, you know? Or especially one that's been aligned with like masculine. Yes. Right? It's like, oh, a gamer? That's a guy. That's a dude thing, right? Athlete, that's a dude thing. Yes. But there's, there's power in claiming that. And really like, what is an athlete anyway? I love Nike's definition of an athlete, which is if you have a body, you're an athlete. Uh, Because, yeah, I love that. And then I actually looked for, I recently looked up the traditional definition, like the dictionary definition of athlete. And it's mainly like the, the key differentiator of athletes is that we, we like to test our training in some way. So it's like, you you train and then you put it to the test and that's where these races come in. That's where athletic events or sporting events come in. It's like you have, you train and then you train for a purpose and you put it to the test and you enjoy putting it to the test. And so, you know, that's, that's how I focus on training because I really like helping people reach performance goals because I do think that's very empowering um, to learn a skill, learn something that's a bit outside your comfort zone it keeps you dedicated to it. It keeps you focused on it. And you can see the progress along the way. You can see the little wins that you can get uh, where you, you can master one skill that takes you on the way to the next skill. And that keeps you moving forward. So I love helping people really reframe what fitness is about for them. Because of, of course, as women, we're trained to idolize weight loss and weight idolize thinness and and that above all, that above anything else. And that can actually be a demoralizing way to look at fitness because we have these external expectations of what we're supposed to look like and who decided that, by the way, you know? And so I like to help women in particular and aging women reframe what fitness means to them so that they can, like you said, get motivated and continue to stay motivated because they're seeing positive progress that's absolutely measurable and motivating and and it fires you up to keep going along the way yeah that's so important so I have to know what was your roller derby name (laughs) (laughs) you know not everybody knows that's a thing but um my roller derby name uh was Susie Snake Eyes love it so yeah at the time I really loved playing craps and casinos Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and, and so I was having I had the hardest time figuring out a name but I'm like you know what I like to play craps and snake eyes sounds cool and I'm five foot one so I'm not like the most menacing um person on the track I'm little and so I liked snake eyes because it made me feel sneaky and I'm like that's that's what I want to convey is like you're you're gonna look for me and you can't find me because I'm underneath you or something (laughs) (laughs) Um, because I'm sneaking around and so Susie Snake Eyes became my name and there are still people I I stopped playing six years ago there's still people who call me Susie as if that's my real name and I still (laughs) respond to it as if it's my real name so great oh my gosh so okay so after you left the the LA Derby Dolls Mm -hmm. how have you kind of continued on your athletic journey what what sort of things so um, when I, I left the Derby Dolls in 2014, and I retired, not because my body was done, but there was a number of reasons. I, you know, I, I started working, I became a fitness trainer while I was a Derby Doll. That's one major change that happened for me. It wasn't just physical changes, but I actually changed my career because I was teaching skaters. I was a trainer for the skaters, and I liked 
seeing them learn how to do things that they never imagined they could do and see how lit up they were by that. And I'm like, I want to do that for everybody. So I went back to school. Um, UCLA has a great extension program for fitness trainers and got my certification and became a trainer. But the thing about being a fitness trainer that they don't tell you is that you you really kind of have to work early morning hours. Like mm-hmm. that's part of the gig. And I was never a morning person and derby practices are always at night because, you know, we're not paid to play roller derby. Everybody's got day jobs and then they go and play roller derby at night. And so I was getting to a point where it's like, I'd go to practice till 10, 930, 1030 at night and then have to get up at five in the morning. It wasn't working anymore. Yeah. And so, um, and the commute was getting farther. They moved farther away from me. So I made a decision to step away but my body wasn't done. So I spent about a year trying to figure out what would be the next thing for me. And, you know, I, I found a CrossFit type gym and I'm like, maybe lifting heavy weights, you know, that feels cool. I like that. Um, so I got into that for a little bit, but I was also teaching outdoor boot camps at the time. And at the end of 2015, I decided to take a group of my boot campers and run a Spartan race together. And so we all went and ran. It was like a five mile Spartan race. And, you know, everybody was like, that was fun. We had such a good time together. And I was like, my eyes got really big. And I'm like, this is the most amazing thing. And I want to keep doing it all the time. Kind of like what happened with roller derby. Thing with me is if I get into something, I get really, really into something. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so I fell in love with Spartan racing and obstacle racing because it, it lit up. It lit me up in a very similar way to roller derby where I'm like, everything I'm doing here is hard. I have to, you know, my first race, I remember, you know, with obstacle racing, you run a little bit and then you do an obstacle. You climb over a wall or you crawl under barbed okay. wire, or you climb a rope, you go across monkey bars. There were some things I could do and there were a lot of things I couldn't do. I couldn't climb a rope. I couldn't go across anything that involved my grip. But I ended that race and I wanted to learn. I actually just found in my Facebook memories a post I made after my first race, which was like, you know, I just finished my first race. It was so much fun. And now... All I want to do is practice rope climb until I learn it. I will master that someday. <laughs> I posted that on Facebook in 2015, and I just saw that a week ago, and I'm like, "Well, I got it." Oh my gosh! <laughs> so I did. Um, but that's where I—that's where my brain was at, and so I started running Spartan races. And uh, you know, long story short, um, as of the beginning of this year, when we could still run races, I've run over 60 Spartan races since 2015. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> so, like I said. When I get into something, I get really, really into and it. And now what's the longest one that you've ever done? The longest one I ever did was a Spartan Ultra, and that's 30 miles. I did that oh, wow. in 20, um, 2019, October 2019. Yeah, so a year ago. And wow. it's 30 miles with 60 obstacles, about 8,000 8, feet of elevation gain. Took me 13 mm. hours. So I started before the same sun came up. I finished after the sun went down. Yeah. Um, I ran it with two other people. We took our time. Like we didn't, we didn't race, race it, but that was, that was a thing, you know, that was a thing I did. So that's, that's definitely the longest one so far. That is incredible. Like I've done, I've done two triathlons. Okay. And similar, it was like one of those where it's like, oh, I want to see what I can do. Right. Like, let's just see, like, I'm I'm curious to see what I'm, you know, capable of. And I think at that point I had run um, a couple of half marathons. And I remember after the first one thinking, like seeing my time and um, the first thought I had was, I bet I could beat that. And it was like, well, now I'm signing up for the next one. Right. It was like, yeah, Yeah. there's always, you know, I started off just running like open heat, which is like the fun heat. You can, you can help each other out. Yeah. And then it didn't take too long before I'm like, I want to do competitive heats and then that's like, now I'm looking to get on a podium. I want to get on an age group podium. And, and yeah. I, that happened, I, I, for the longest time, I thought it would never happen. And then at the end of 2018, I got on my first age group podium. And then it's like, this is all I want. And then Spartan has their own way of marketing to keep you going. They have, you know, every race you do, you get a little wedge that mm. forms together with other wedges to form trifecta. So if you run each of every distance race, you get a trifecta and then you can get multiple trifectas and they give you special (laughs) medals. And so that there's always like a special medal you can get for the ultra. They give you a belt buckle. So you, you know, it's a, it's a badge of honor to get the ultra belt buckle. Um, like the collectibles, right? It's all, all. (laughs) it's collectibles. Like, and they know what they're doing. They absolutely know what they're doing because every, every subsequent trifecta you get, there's a special like times three trifecta times four trifecta and the medals get bigger and bigger. I've met people 
like the record holders who had 25 trifectas in a year, which like how many races is that? You get three races per trifecta. Um, And it looks like a dinner plate. Like it's so big (laughs) that you can eat a meal off of it. And so that's how they keep people like doing more and more races. But I've gotten as far as four trifectas in a year. So that's 12, 12 races. And I, I would typically do more than 12 races. That's just, you know, you have to do one of each distance, but I might've done, extra in the shortest distance um but when i run when i run these races they have race weekends where they'll have two or three races in a weekend i'll run every race yeah you know i'll just show up and i have a season pass so it's like i just want to use it um so yeah you get really really into it but it's the whole thing about it for me is like it's it's mentally and physically challenging it gives me something to work towards and every time i get an obstacle that i couldn't do before that's a win like that's a new win. So there's always new wins that you can have in these situations. And I mean, completing an ultra, I failed a bunch of obstacles in the ultra, but I still finished it. That was a massive win, like to be able yeah. to do that. Um, and the funny thing about that, and this is something I like to share with people who are, I, my concern is always people are listening to me and they're like, well, that's well and good for her. Mm-hmm. But like, I, that ain't me. Well, here's yeah. the thing. When I finished my ultra, people asked me, how sore were you when you finished your ultra? And my answer every time was exactly as sore as I felt after I finished my first 5K. <laughs> mm, yeah. Because it's right, because you've gotten stronger, right? Because I've gotten stronger. Yeah. And so, like, I remember running my first 5K, and it was back in 2012, I think. And I was wrecked for days yeah. after that, like, wrecked. And now I can go out the door and run a 5K like it's nothing. Like, yeah. I can run a half marathon on a Saturday. I don't have to train for that anymore. That's the other cool thing that happens when you put, continue to just slowly push your boundaries. Um, but when I finished that ultra, I was wrecked for several days, but it reminded me of how I felt when I finished my first 5k. So we all have this unlimited capacity for growth. It's slow. It's methodical. It's over time. But for me, it's, it's only been eight years since I ran my first 5k before I, before I did that, I used to say I would never run. Yeah. I have a metal rack in, I'm looking at it right now. And it's, (laughs) I had it made when I still played roller derby and it says, Susie, don't run. (laughs) and that was your mantra that was my mantra whenever we'd have a practice and they're like put your shoes on we're gonna run I'm like Susie don't run like no I don't have a good sports bra I'm well endowed Mm -mm. Susie don't run because I could skate for hours back then but I couldn't run for five minutes yeah and so I had a metal rack made and put my first medals on my Susie don't run metal rack but now it's like look at me now I ran my first marathon in March like yeah. You know, we, we all have the, the capacity to grow. It'll go at the pace that you're ready to go. You will make those decisions to push yourself when you're ready to. There were years when I said I was not interested in running a marathon. And then when I finished an ultra, it's like, well, I could probably do that now. Yeah. So, so that's when I decided to run a marathon. So it's that's the cool thing about performance-based training is that you can grow, that every every new step that you reach is like a really exciting milestone and it's empowering and it can empower you in other areas of your life. The confidence radiates to your work. It radiates to your family. If you have kids, they're looking at you and Mm -hmm. they think you're a superhero. Like the positivity goes out all over the place in your life. And that's what I love about this type of focus and these types of goals. Yeah, I remember when I did, um, I, I think it was a half marathon. And I remember somebody saying to me, oh, I could never do that. Mm, and um, and then it was definitely after the triathlon when somebody, when a few people were like, oh my gosh, you did that? I could never do that. And I had to laugh because I was like, my mantra has always been, if I could do it, you could do it. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Because I, you know, after running the half marathon, you know, I'd run a couple and it was, you do kind of get to, it does become addicting a little bit. You're like, well, I've done that. Like what's next. Yeah. Right. Like where I think we as humans are just meant that's like that growth mindset of like, okay, you know, how else can I evolve? How else can yeah. I, you know, especially get once you just start allowing yourself to evolve in that way, yeah. then it, it's like a door opens and you want more. Yeah. And the triathlon, I'm not a strong swimmer. Like for your, like Susie don't run, like Liz don't, don't swim. Like I, <laughs> Like I, we have a joke in my family because I am the fastest dog paddler you will ever see. Like I can't do any sort of like <laughs> freestyle or right. like, I'm just a dog paddler. And my family would laugh when I said I signed up for a triathlon. Cause they're like, you're going to go into the ocean, like an open water 
yeah. <laughs> and just dog paddle your, your way. But it was one of those things where I was like, well, you know, if let's just see, right. I was very much like, well, we'll see what I can do. And then having completed it, it was like, okay, I think I could do better than that. Right. Let me just mm-hmm. see if I can do better than that. Um, and you do, you push yourself when you're ready. I think what a lot of people, the trap they fall into is they push themselves before they're ready. Like, oh, now I have to do this. Right. Instead of just enjoying where you are. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. You can continue, you know, I continue to run half marathons yeah. for a long time. Cause I'm like, I want to PR my half marathon. I want to get better at this. And so, you know, and I still do half marathons, like when I get the opportunity, um, because it's like, can I, can I do even better at this particular distance? Uh, you know, I, the ultra was like, I, I definitely, I mean, I think the belt buckle was definitely a motivator <laughs> for me, but you know, I wanted to try it. I wanted to say, Hey, I've done this. And I, I made no promises uh, about a second ultra. And I still don't, well, actually I, I was training for an ultra um, in March of this year, <laughs> but um, I was only training for an ultra because I was training for the marathon, the LA marathon. And I was like, there was an ultra a week later and I was like, well, if I bundle my training yeah. then I don't have to, because training for these types of things is it's really time intensive. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll bundle my, my marathon training and my ultra training together and do, do, and just take the week in between to rest. And I got to do the marathon, which was on March 7th. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the world shut down right. days later and then the ultra was canceled. So I didn't get to do a second, but when I ran my first one, that was the only promise I made to myself was like, let's just do this one yeah. see if I like it and go from there. And so, and still, even with the marathon, I'm like, maybe I'll do a second one. We'll see if the spirit moves. Yes. Me. You know, so not under hundred percent, but we'll, we'll see. Cause it was hard. Like it was, the marathon was hard. Yeah. It was just, you know, nothing but, but road running for hours. Um, that was hard on me, but it was me- mental as much as physical. Yeah. But yeah. Real quick. I just wanted to make a point when you talked about how your family thought it was ridiculous yeah. that you did a swimming sport my family when I became a roller derby skater thought that was the most ridiculous thing because I was always a clumsy kid I mean like I was I you know I'm I'm lucky that I have really strong bones because so I don't break easily because I fall down a lot to this day I fall down (laughs) I fell on my face running just a couple weeks ago but um so when when I became a roller derby skater they're like really Are, are, are you sure really and even when I got married uh my dad gave a speech my dad was big on like giving roast style speeches oh yeah our weddings <laughs> and he gave a whole speech about because I got I actually got married at the roller derby track and so he gave a whole speech about how ridiculous it was or how astonishing it was that I, I became an athlete <laughs> and like that was like the whole speech <laughs> at my wedding so so yeah I feel you well all this to say I feel you so just to like you know carry on with that right it's like I know that there's a lot of people who kind of feel like it's too late for them right like it's too late to take up running it's too late to right like sign up for a roller derby right like especially I think women over 40 it's like oh if I haven't started something already it's probably too late for me right like let's talk a little bit about that Oh yeah. No, people shouldn't tell me that. <laughs> um, so, um, the, the wonderful thing is I have, a I have my own podcast called seasoned athlete and I have evidence like, like over, we're pushing 90 stories of people who can counter that argument. You, yeah. You have so many incredible guests on that show. Yeah. So I could cite, you know, I could cite my own story. I, you know, I started playing roller derby on when I was almost 30. I started obstacle racing when I was 41 um and i'm 46 and i still do it and i'm not stopping anytime soon um but i have people who started even later uh that became athletes and i there was one woman i interviewed that was in her 80s um and i can't remember exactly when she started but she was like the 5k record holder like currently i don't know if she still is but when i interviewed her she was and she was like you know here's the good thing about starting to run when you're older you have not been beating up your muscles and your knees your whole life mm. like you actually, you have an advantage because you're, you're not, you haven't been beating up your body. And so she's like, this is why I do so well, because I started later. That's and, so interesting. Cause it's like, right? I feel like your brain would want to tell you the opposite is like, oh, your knees are what, like, it's like your knees are going to be too weak to start running now. 
Yeah. No, you can, you can start. And the whole thing is, and here's what everybody on my podcast has said also when I asked for their advice is like, you start slow, mm -hmm. you know, you don't start off running a marathon. I mean, I, there were a couple of people on my podcast who did, but you know, that's a, that's a, that's a level. Of There's always those outliers, right? There's always those outliers, <laughs> bless their hearts. But most people like walk first. Yes. So you, you walk before you run, you start very slowly. When I ran my first 5k, I did the, the couch to 5k, which is like, jog for 30 seconds, walk for five minutes, repeat yeah. a few times. <laughs> like that's where you start because, you know, of course, if you tried to run a 5k and you don't run at all, no, you'll be suffering very quickly, but the body has an unlimited capacity for growth and you start wherever you're at and it's okay to start where you're at, but you'll find over time that that does expand. When I did my first couch to 5k, um, I remember the first day that I opened up the app and it told me to run for 10 minutes without stopping. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, really? That's insane. Um, and I, and it was hard and I ran for the 10 minutes and then it was like amazing sense of accomplishment. I ran for 10 minutes. And now it's like, I'm looking back and I'm like, I've run for, you know, I ran for four, four hours, 40 minutes straight for the marathon. I did 13 hours of the ultra. Oh, like, yeah. But I remember a time when I thought it was ludicrous that this app was telling me to run for 10 minutes. So, you know, it's all relative to where you're at. I like to say that time and time again. And you can start wherever you're at. Yeah. That's totally fine. And you'll move at whatever pace you're ready to move. But, you know, you'll, you'll be surprised at, at what you can do. Um, and, and when you have those moments where you have those little wins, when I ran that 10 minutes, that was so empowering for me and it made me want to do more. Yeah. So, you know, you, the key is like you start where you're at and you celebrate these little wins, no matter how small they are along the way, but it, it takes an open mind. And when people tell me I could never do that, like that, that's like a challenge to me. Yeah. Like, okay, you issued me a challenge and, and believe me coming from roller derby and I taught, I taught roller, I taught beginner level roller derby classes for several years. I had people who came to me and at the first session, I'd always get them in a circle and ask them to say what their skating background was. And I'd have women like repeat over and over again around this circle. I haven't skated since my third grade birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they, like each one of them would say that. And I, the reason I got them in the circle to say that in the first place is so they could hear each other say it. Because I'm sure when they walked in that building, they felt like they were alone and oh, absolutely. full of themselves. And I'm like, I want you to hear that like everybody in this room is as scared as you are. Yeah. But it's amazing that you're here. It's all about gathering that bravery to take the first step like these women did at my roller derby class. Um, like I did when I went to my first roller derby practice, like all you have to do is you have to gather just enough bravery to take the first step and then your confidence will grow as you do. So, you know, in roller derby, I had, I, when I would talk about roller derby, I'd always get the, oh, wow, I could never do that. Huh. When I talk about <laughs> obstacle racing, when I talk about marathon, I get, oh, wow, I could never do that. I, if I had a nickel for all the times that people told me that, I'd have a lot of nickels. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I refuse to subscribe to that. And it's my mission to help women take that first step in whatever way makes sense for them. Um, I like to meet them where they are because it, it can be scary yeah. to start something like this when you're, when you're older and you've never done it before. Well, and especially too, like, I think this is something as well that plays into it, right? Is this idea that's like, you're so used to putting other people before you, right? Right. And like not making oh, yeah. yourself a priority or not taking that time. I hear from so many like listeners and clients of mine who, you know, will say, oh, I don't have time for that. Yeah. Right. And it's like, but they have time, you know, and it's because they're making time for other things, right? It's like what you kind of prioritize. So let's talk a little bit about that and about how, like, how do you, I'm like, how do I want to phrase this? How do you prioritize that when you're so, um, when it's so, you're so used to not making yourself a priority? Yeah, it's, it's a mental shift for sure. Um, and this is, this is very common with women that we are conditioned to put everybody and everything before ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we put work before ourselves. We put our family before ourselves, um, everything before us. The problem is that's asking a lot of you and it's asking a lot of your energy to put everybody and make sure everybody's taken care of yeah. um, at your expense. 
So I really try to work with women to flip that, that if you do not take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of everybody else and all these other things? If you do not prioritize yourself, if you do not prioritize your health, your fitness, your desires, your hobbies, things that light you up mentally, physically, and emotionally, you need that and you deserve that. Um, and so I, I like to help women reframe that where it's like, okay, how can you start with putting yourself first, even for a little bit of time today? And see how it changes how you approach everything else in your day. Um, so making that exercise time, that movement time, a priority for you and making it sacred. And so a lot of it's scheduling because I think um, we often just run our days like they are, you know, we don't pay attention to, to time in our days. And if, you, if I were to ask someone like, hey, do you have any time? Do you even have like 30 minutes to put a workout in? They're like, oh, no, no, I'm slammed all day. Yes. And it's like, okay. Let's get let's get a day planner out. Yep. Let's let's write this all down. <laughs> I mean that that is what I do with my clients is we go yeah. through and look at how they're spending their time, yeah. and you know where. So often, right? You see, like women putting. I'll, I always say with my clients, they put other people's wants ahead of their own needs. Yes. Right. So it's like the kids yeah. want this. It's like okay, but that's not like you know, we have a, a rule in our house where it's like, if there's no blood or no smoke, right? Like, don't bother me. Like, if the, yes, <laughs> you have to, you have to set those boundaries for yourself. And it's a hard, I know for moms, it's just, it's a really hard it's thing to hard. do to set those boundaries. And especially now when like everyone's home and it, there's yes. no, <laughs> right. Yes. There's no sort of, oh, I'm going to go to the office or I'm going here. Right. It's or like, go to nope. the gym. Yes. Or the yeah. kids are going to school even. Right. It's like, no, mm -hmm. I'm just, we're all home. I know for me, like the not going to the gym has been, um, yeah, like I, I, I'm basically having a mental breakdown, just not being able to yeah. go and do like the orange theory workout <laughs> that I was doing before. It, and then, cause you know, you know what they do for you. Yeah. You know what those workouts do for you. And so, you know, in that, in that circumstance, you have to find an alternative that will work in this world we're in right now. And that's what I'm, I'm working on helping people do that because I'm understanding, you know, I am a gym owner that is about to be a former gym owner yeah. um, because, you know, I have a gym in Southern California. We have not been open since March. We don't have outdoor space and my lease is up at the end of the year. And it's like the way things are looking, yeah, it doesn't make sense for us to hold on to that space. But that's why I've gone all in on figuring out online at home alternatives, because I think it's important that we start it. This is like real talk, like the, the, come to Jesus moment, yeah. if you would, but it's like, this is not temporary. Like we thought it was temporary. We, and, and there's probably a lot of people who are listening where it's like, I went to orange theory or whatever your gym is. Mm -hmm. I put it on hold. I stopped doing it for a while, but you know, it, it'll be back. Yeah. But it's like, what if it isn't, what if it can't come back in the way that you remember it or you enjoyed it? What then? So then you have to figure out alternatives that you can use either for the short term or if we're talking somewhat realistically, possibly the long term. And so, um, so that's, that's where it's like, okay, are you working out at home? How do you set those boundaries? How do you make sure that you have that sacred time? Um, and so this is something actually in my membership, I have a membership called age up, which is an online fitness and coaching membership for women over 40 who want to age like athletes. And we do monthly challenges in, in the membership and monthly themes. And I, you know, we, I've only had this membership for a couple months when I said I was doing challenges. I think they thought we were going to do like push up challenges. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, this is me first month. And we're doing the me first bingo game. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have all these squares of things that you can do to take care of yourself and put yourself first because oh, I, I have, it's all women in there. And it's like, I want you to start thinking about how you can prioritize your time, yeah. put yourself first, treat yourself. And then I give them tools like, you know, set these boundaries. How can you set these boundaries? Well, you can get your whole family involved in these boundaries, you know, making sure that they all know that between this time and this time is mom's workout time. And, you know, if, if you have a partner who can support you in that, and then you can support them when they want to work out and, you know, you can, you can share the responsibilities. You could possibly make it a game for your kids, you know, yeah. to, uh, you know, get them involved and in, in however you can to, to, to make that time yours. And then I like to encourage people to, I, I'm a big fan of the written planner. Me too. Because there's something yeah. about like actually 
pen to paper or if it's got to be pencil to paper. I use a planner, but I write in pencil because things change. I, yeah, I use erasable ink for that reason. <laughs> yeah, so you write it down, but it's but I have an eight and a half by eleven planner where I can see all the gaps in my schedule, and for a while I actually don't have to do it anymore because working out is pretty it's pretty natural for me now. But for the longest time, I wrote down when my workout time was just like you'd write down a meeting, yeah. just like you'd write down a call. You write down that workout time and you make that a non-negotiable, just like you would a work meeting, just like you would for homeschooling your kids. Yeah. Like you have to treat it. And that's where it becomes a problem for a lot of women. They don't treat it as important as any of these other things. They view their own fitness as less important, but yeah. it's actually more important because your health is important to do all these other things, to have the energy to do all these other things. And your kids are watching, like your kids model your behavior. So, you know, show them, show them what good, you know, health and, and exercise and doing amazing things that, that you didn't think you could do. That's modeling for yeah. them. And, you know, they're going to look at you like a superhero, like I said. Yeah. No, it's so true. I remember once, like, my goal was I wanted to do five, like, regular push-ups. Not on my knees push-ups. I wanted yeah. to do just five regular push-ups. And it was, I remember when I was able to do it, I remember showing my son. I was like, watch this. <laughs> like, this is amazing. And, you know, even during this quarantine, we've kind of gotten the kids involved with some workouts. But it is, you know, I know for myself, it's been a challenge to get and stay motivated. And so I wanted to talk about, you have a masterclass coming up on yeah. December 15th. So I want to talk about this because um, this episode is going to come out on the 14th. So Perfect. if you're listening to this on the 14th, then you need to sign up for this. But so yes. let's talk a little bit about Come to this. my masterclass. If you want more of this energy, come yeah. to my masterclass. So tell me again what it's called. So it's called Get Motivated and Stay Motivated. Perfect. Um, how to get out of the quarantine slump and back into achieving bold fitness goals. Perfect timing. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, I think we're all done with the quarantine slump. I mean, <laughs> and I, you know, I think that's speaking to people. They just didn't put it, couldn't put a name to it. Um, I also call it the pandemic plateau. Oh, um, but, you know, I love alliterations. But, you know, it's just we're in this like, I, I, I've talked to a lot of women who are just like, oh, I'm just feeling like lost and tired and unmotivated. And I don't know what I'm training for. And I don't know why. And I don't, and I don't know what to do. And I think it speaks to what you were saying before, right? About this idea that in the beginning of this, it seemed temporary. Like, oh, yes. we're just gonna, and I remember my son was saying just the other day, he's like, remember when, he goes, remember when the pandemic first started and we, and I just thought, oh, cool, a longer spring break. Like he yeah. thought he was getting like an extra week or two of spring break. Right. And like now, that's back then it's like no school. Yeah. Like when you'd have a power outage back in the day. Yeah. It's like no school. And now no. he's like, oh, like his entire freshman year of high school at this point will have, will be taking place online. So Right. And so yeah. I think everyone's coming to this realization that it's like, oh, yeah, like this, we are going to have to start making, you know, new plans. Right. And if this yeah. isn't ending anytime soon. Yeah. And I, you know, I, of course, talk to a lot of people who do these races. Like I'm, I'm very deeply involved in the Spartan race community, the obstacle racing community. And so it's like, you know, we spent the whole year just watching race after race after race get canceled. And even today, some news came out about 20, 2021 races getting canceled. And yeah. it's like, okay, is this is real. And I knew this. Like, I knew these races were going to be canceled. Like, but we're still disappointed when they are, right? Like, it's very <laughs> disappointing because it, it becomes real. But I've been back here thinking, okay, well, what do we do now? Like, how do you create pandemic-proof goals mm -hmm. that can motivate you and drive you in a world where you know, we don't have these races or events that we can do in the traditional way. We may or may not be able to go to an actual gym, depending on where you live. Yeah. Or sometimes you can go to the gym and then a new lockdown happens and you're back at home. And that's yeah. like, there's no stability to that. And we need stability. Like we crave that. And that's how you really get a fitness routine going is that level of daily practice and daily stability. I I get up every morning and um, I either teach a class first and then work out or I work out first thing, but I'm working out, like I'm done with my workout by 9am and I work out six days a week and I'm doing it in my garage. Mm -hmm. Like I live in an apartment building and my, my husband and I go down to our big apartment garage. I have a car full of equipment 
and we pull out the equipment and just take over the apartment garage and do our workout. We've been doing that since March. Yeah. Um, I run, you know, so I run in my neighborhood. Uh, we used to go to the local track to do track work. Now I've turned a neighborhood block into my track. Hmm. You know, I just run, I literally run circles in a neighborhood block sometimes. Yeah. I'm making friends with the local cats. Like <laughs> this is a true story. Uh, but, um, but you know, I have figured out, you know, how to stay consistent with my fitness. And it, it started because I've, I had these goals to work towards. And in the beginning, I just, I, I just kept training for those goals. I'm like, okay, I've got a race in May. I call it my pretend race hmm. and I'm going to keep training for my pretend race. And that was cool for a while. But when they all became pretend races, then you got to shift. Then you got to do a little bit of a mental shift and like, okay, well, what am I training for? So I like to help people come up with pandemic proof goals. And that's something that I'm going to go over in the masterclass. I have sort of a system to come up with a goal for yourself that is both exciting, like something that that is a, exciting and a little bit scary, mm -hmm. but also like just beyond your comfort zone from yeah. where you're at right now. So like you, you have your eye on like a big, a big life goal, like a, something I, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to run a marathon sometime in my life. And then it's like, okay, well, what's that next place that you can get to that you can work towards now and what needs to be tweaked to do it in a pandemic? Yeah. So um, that's, that's one of the things I'm going to cover. And then just talking about um, techniques and tools to simplify your fitness so that you're, you know, the, the struggle that people are having right now is that it's like, I got to figure out not just when I'm going to work out, but what I'm going to do yes. when I'm going to work out. And that's a lot of mental energy. And when you're already just like zapped from oh everything gosh. else, yeah. that's where, that's where people run out of the, the space to like, to fit workouts into their lives because it's like, it feels heavy. It feels like one more thing in a pile of things Yes. In a life full of out things and to figure yeah. out. And so I want to help you simplify all that. Just like take all that heaviness out of it so that fitness, you can wake up each day, you can know what you're doing, you can know when you're doing it, and you know what you're working for. And that so fitness feels light and fitness feels fun and fitness feels like something you want to do and not something you feel like you should be doing because who. If, if you are not required to do it, it feels like a thing you should be doing. Are you going to do it? Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> but Especially if it's when your energy's already zapped, right, to your point, and we're already so yeah. overloaded. Yeah. So if, if we can help you shift it to something you want to do and something you enjoy, and when you're done with it, you feel really good, and you have more energy for the rest of your day, or you, if you do it at the end of the day, it's like your release yeah. at the end of the day. Like, that's better. <laughs> that's way better. So that's, that, these are the things I'm going to go over in my masterclass awesome. on, on Tuesday, on, on the 15th, <laughs> whatever. Well, I'm already signed up. So, but Yay! let, um, tell us where we can sign up. Tell us how to, how to find you and how to work with you. Yeah. So to sign up for the masterclass, I made a super easy URL. It's robinleggett.com slash motivated. So, Great. um, really easy to find. So you can sign up there. Um, and it's a free masterclass. It should be about an hour. Um, and we're gonna have a lot of fun there. So hopefully if you've listened to me and you're like, she sounds like, she sounds like a good time, then that's, you're going to get more of that in my masterclass. And then, you know, um, if you want to learn about the different ways that I do work with people, I, you know, I have a membership that I call, it's called age up and I called it age up because it's a play on when you're, when you're an age group racer and then, um, you actually get excited about getting older because you move into a new age group. Oh, so, okay. you know, like I've talked to women on my podcast and I'm like, how old are you right now? And they'd be like, I'm 59 or 49, but I'm about to turn 50. <laughs> and it's like a whole different energy than you're used to hearing from women who are like used to hiding. Yes. Yeah. But they're like, I'm about to turn 50 and I get to be the youngest in my age group. <laughs> and that's an advantage. So you age up into a new age group. So I wanted to take that and make that the basis of my program. So my membership, it, it involves, um, you know, done for you training programs, uh, biweekly group coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching. Uh, I make courses to help help you in areas like nutrition and recovery and working with your hormones, your hormonal cycle at different stages of your life. So really leveling up, not just 
not just giving you workouts, but actually leveling you up in mm -hmm. a lot of areas of your life, mentally, physically, and emotionally. Um, and I think that's really important for women over 40. And it creates a place of connection yeah. to other women over 40. And in this isolated world that we're living in, I think connection is super, super important. So that's that's the basis of Age Up, which you can find out about at robinleggett.com. And then I also do custom, custom training programs. And I have a cool three-week challenge called Dare to be Ageless, where if you've just like fallen off your workout program completely, this is a three-week challenge to just jumpstart your fitness. That's Good all track. it is. So yeah, so I got a lot of different ways, but the, the easiest way that you can connect with me is at the masterclass on the 15th. That's robinleggett.com slash motivated. Great. I will put all of that in the show notes for everyone. And um, I'll also put a link to your podcast because I think the stories yes. that you highlight are so, they're so important, but it's also like, I just have never heard them anywhere else. Like I'm not hearing yeah. those stories anywhere else. And you're talking to people who are doing incredible things. And so I'm definitely going to link back to that as well. Yeah. It, you know, it, I, I started the podcast long before I was actually like coaching in this area. And I just, I, it was kind of a selfish thing. I'm like, I, I really want to hear more of these stories. Like you see them on the internet and you're yeah. like, that's really inspirational. I want to talk to these people. And so I started reaching out and I started connecting with these people. And every time I do an interview, I swear I want to like go for a run afterwards. Yeah. Like I get so fired up talking to them because they're just, they are as inspirational as they sound and they have some really incredible, remarkable stories. Um, and so that, yeah, that's seasoned athlete. Um, that's, so great. That's, it's so funny. that's how I started as well. I started a podcast um, interviewing people who had basically like, you know, taken massive action in their life and, you know, and through talking to them and whatever, that's how I kind of started coaching. So it's so funny. Like, that I not to <laughs> will take massive Let's action. In my life. I will practice <laughs> what I preach. So yeah, it's like, you can only talk to these people for so long. And you know, I, my goal with the podcast when I started is like, I want to inspire and motivate people to pursue their athletic potential, regardless of age. And then you do that for a while. And you're like, but you know, what would be better is to actually help people like yes. to actually take, take action of my own and help people. And so that's how I got into, yeah. and it's like, I'm living the life. Like I'm 46 years old and I feel younger than my age indicates. And I move well, I move better than a lot of people my age. And there's something to that when you do these types of athletic things, you know, it, it changes you and yeah. you, you feel, you feel younger. Or as I like to say, you feel ageless because you get to bring, you bring your wisdom in, but you feel younger, but you have the wisdom that you didn't have when you were young, which is which like a win-win. <laughs> total win-win it's way better than being young um and and uh, and i you know it's like i'm healthier you know the people on my podcast always talk about how it's like they've gotten off of medications they've managed you know cancer and other illnesses um and just amazing things that that you can do just by living a healthy life that you don't have to be on medications you yeah don't have to slow down you you feel good you move well your whole life like that's what we all want, right? Yeah. So, well, I am so yeah. glad that we connected because this, you know, looking at 2021, one of the things that I, one of my big goals is to, you know, kind of develop my strength and flexibility. Like I've got a couple of, I'm, I'm not very flexible. Me neither. <laughs> and for the longest time, I couldn't touch my toes and I would just blame it on my long legs. I'm like, oh, my legs are just too long. Like I just, I'm five foot one. It's not your long legs. <laughs> I would just I was always tell people, oh, oh, if only my legs weren't so long. But mm -hmm. um, no, I love this. I love talking to you and, and connecting with you because it really has motivated me to kind of think about like, okay, what are my goals? And not just like, oh, get in better shape, right? But like to really kind of yeah. formulate what what does that mean for me? Yeah. Having something tangible really, really helps. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much, Robin, for coming on and, and talking to us. And uh, I'm so excited for your class tomorrow because by the time this comes out, <laughs> your class yeah, tomorrow. Like, oh, you, you scared me for a minute. I'm like, it's tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> I got to get ready. Um, yes. My class tomorrow. Yes. So, um, well, thank you again for coming on the show and, uh, I look forward to the class tomorrow. Thank you so much, Liz. This was, this has been a ton of fun. Thank you again. People pleasing is so 2020 among hopefully many other things. As we move into a new year, let me help you move into a new you as well. With coaching tailored to your needs, I will help you get over the people-pleasing behaviors that have you feeling done before you've even gotten started. There's so much that you could be doing with so much less effort. Just head over to lizheron.com slash work with me 
and pick the coaching package that works for you. Together, we can reclaim your time and have you crushing your goals in 2021. I hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you did, remember to subscribe and share with a fellow juggler. I'm Liz Heron. See you next time.